listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We've been talking about your authority and identity in Christ, your authority and your identity in Christ. Um, As I've been saying uh, all this week, that I believe that when somebody gets saved, that this is, in my opinion, the number one thing that they need to learn first. I believe this position on right in righteousness, the position of righteousness. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but have you ever seen, you know, somebody come down at your church and get saved one Sunday and then the next Sunday they come down and get saved again and the next Sunday or maybe two Sundays later they come down and get saved again. I mean, throw a hand up in the comments uh, if you've seen that take place and I'm not mocking people uh, for this, but I want to explain something here in a minute. But if you've seen that, where somebody comes down and gets saved, the next week they get saved again. Two weeks later, they're saved again. And they just keep coming to the altar over and over. Um, what happens is, if not properly taught and discipled, that people think they need to continually keep getting saved. You know, maybe they made a mistake that week. I got to get saved at church this Sunday. And that's, that's a, a, a lack of understanding on the subject of righteousness is what it is. It's a lack of understanding on the subject of your righteousness. And you know, there is a difference between righteousness and holiness. Let me say that again. There is a difference between righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is the position that you have in Christ when you get saved. The Lord takes you from death unto life and plants you in the kingdom in a position of righteousness, which is just right standing with God. Right standing with God. That's all it is. In fact, if you're putting in the comments, I want you to write that. Righteousness is right standing with God. Righteousness is right standing with God. It's a position. Righteousness is not an action. It's a position. It's a position. And so we have been made to be. See, that's what I, in fact, I'll take you there first as we're writing this in the comments. Um, Put it in the comments. Righteousness is right standing with God. Absolutely right. And this subject of righteousness needs to be taught. This position, it's a position that's given to us. We couldn't attain it. See, the, the, the Bible goes uh, on teaching at length about the fact that we could never attain righteousness by ourselves. In fact, the Bible goes on to tell us in Ephesians, it's not by works lest any man should boast. See, if you could do something with your own actions to gain your righteousness, then the Bible's saying you could brag about the righteousness that you have. 
You could brag about it. That's what the Bible's saying. You go and say, yeah, I'm righteous because of what I did. And the Bible says, no, it's not by your works. If it was, men would boast about their righteousness. It's not about what you did. So understand, it's about the redemptive act that Jesus took on the cross and then with his burial, his descent into the lower parts of the earth, his resurrection, his ascension. And so it's about the act of redemption that Jesus took. And so it's not about you and it's not about me. The only thing we were able to do is respond by faith to the gospel. That's it. That's the only thing we were able to do. We didn't, let me break this down because people don't understand it. We couldn't make Jesus come to the earth. There's nothing that any human could have done to force God to send Jesus to the earth to be crucified for us. Nobody could force God's hand. In fact, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he wasn't forced. He did it out of love. That's a wonderful thing. God was not forced to send Jesus by any human's action. He did it because he loved the world. And because God loved the world so much, he sent his only begotten son to be crucified and to die on our behalf. And that's why the book of Ephesians says that this covenant of salvation is actually by grace through faith. Let me say that again. It's by grace through faith. Let, let me break what, down what that means. By grace. Okay, first part of that. It's by grace. So it was through the grace of God. It was the grace of God that God sent Jesus. Right? It wasn't forced. In fact, this is the only place in the Bible where grace could be interpreted to mean unmerited favor. The only place. Because after Jesus, all favor for believers is merited. It's because of your dedication to the kingdom. It's your obedience to the word that provokes God's favor. However, salvation is the only act of grace that could be defined as unmerited favor, having nothing to do with what you did. And so by grace, God sent Jesus. And then through faith. So you had to hear the gospel, the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So you heard the gospel and it sparked faith and you responded to the gospel. And because you did by grace, through faith, you're saved, not by your works, not by your works. And so then when you got saved, God took you from the kingdom of darkness or being spiritually dead in trespasses and in sins. And he pulled you over and planted you into the kingdom or into his marvelous light, the Bible says. So I'm here in second Corinthians chapter five, and I want you to see something about your position of righteousness. Once again, righteousness is not an action. Righteousness is a position. It's a position. Hey, Pastor Bill Motley, Jesus was 
a seed. He was the incorruptible seed of the word made flesh. Uh, verse 17, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. catch it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. You see that? That's verse 18. Let me stop there again. All this is from God. It's not from you. It's not from me. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them listen if God was counting all your trespasses against you right now and judged you right now everybody would go to hell everybody everybody in sin would go immediately to hell they wouldn't pass go they wouldn't collect two hundred dollars Go, that's a monopoly reference for the younger people. They would go straight to hell. That's how it is. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. Not one. And so he's not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now look at this. Verse 21 is very important. For our sake, he made him, that's talking about Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So we are the righteous, we have become the righteousness of God. That's who we are. We're talking about identity this week. We're talking about your identity. We're talking about your, um, your union, if you will, with Christ and your authority in Christ, which comes from your identity. Notice what the Bible says. It says that you have become the righteousness of God. It's who you now are by identity. And then let's say it now. Righteousness is one side. Holiness is a different thing than righteousness. Holiness is taking actions that align themselves with your new identity, right? Holiness is taking actions that align themselves with your new identity. And so if you're in a position of righteousness, you should live making holy choices, taking holy actions. Holiness is the action. Righteousness is the position. And the reason that people answer the altar call to get saved every week is because they've never been taught this. They don't understand that you are made righteous when you get saved. You're transplanted from darkness into light and you are in fellowship or in union with Christ. Now, what do you do if you commit a sin as a believer. I'm not teaching a hyper grace message that your sins no longer matter and your actions don't matter. And it's all about what he did and it has nothing to do with what you do. That's how you get saved. But once you're saved, God expects some actions from his people. That's why the Bible says in the book of James, faith without works is dead. 
Anytime you talk to hyper grace people, they're always like, well, it sounds like works to me. Like anything you do in dedication to the kingdom, that's what they always pipe up with. Well, that sounds like works to me, brother. Doesn't sound like you're relying on grace. Looks like you're in works. No, it's not that I'm in works to gain my salvation. But once you get saved or you step into salvation, God expects some works. So in one sense, yes, I am all about works because the Bible says faith without works is dead and I don't want dead faith. (laughs) Amen. Throw it in the comments. I don't want dead faith. So what do you do if you don't want dead faith? You, You attach some works to your faith. Works of holiness, works of righteousness. What does that mean? It means that your actions will align with your position, right? Your actions will align themselves with your position of salvation. Listen to this. Let me read you a few verses from Romans chapter six. Listen to this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound, Paul's writing, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see what Paul's laying out here? Don't say that because of what, ha- what, what went on or what happened um, that we should keep living in sin. No, no. Then go down to look at, uh, with me at um, verses 12 through 14. Romans 6, 12 through 14. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 13 Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now look at verse 14, Romans 6, 14 now. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law, but under grace. Sin will not have any dominion over you because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. (laughs) Look at it. I'll go with verse 15 just for those that are in the hyper grace camp. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul makes that very, very clear. That righteousness is a position and your actions should align themselves with your new position called salvation. And so that's it. That's the key. And so when you see this happening week after week after week after week, you begin to understand there's a reason that this is happening is that people don't understand their position. So I'm not teaching you that Christians can't sin. Of course they can. Paul just said they could. In fact, he wrote back to like every church that he planted in his letters and said, don't fall back into sin. (laughs) He wasted a whole lot of parchment 
if it was impossible for believers to sin, as some teach today. You know, there's some in the hyper grace camp. They teach that because of Jesus' blood, the actions of the Christian no, no, no longer matter. You're saved and sealed. You can't get away from your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. You're saved forever no matter what you do, which is heretical. It's heresy because the Bible doesn't teach that. But people believe it because it sounds good. Oh, that's right, brother. God's grace is so great you could never get out. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Todd. And so you, it's just heretical. But I want you to see something now. I'm not teaching that believers can't. So the question is, well, what should a believer do then if he sins? What should a believer do if he sins? And that's why these hyper grace people have to redistrict the whole Bible and say, well, that's not for Christians. That verse isn't for Christians. And so they go to Romans or they go to 1 John 1, 9 and actually say, well, the whole first chapter of 1 John's not for Christians. It's for Gnostics. It's for unbelievers in the church, which is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And John writes in 1 John 1, 9, that if we'll confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so what do you do if you sin? You repent or ask for forgiveness. You ask for forgiveness, you repent. And so it'd be the same as like, you know, if you had an issue, let's say you had a fight with your husband or wife, what are you going to do? You're going to let that just sit there and fester? Or are you going to apologize and come back into fellowship again? Of course, you're going to apologize. If you're a good husband or wife, you're going to apologize and come back into fellowship with your husband or with your wife. Understand, because our relationship with Christ is likened to a marriage in the Bible. He's the husband, we're the bride of Christ. And so understand it in the natural realm, right? If you get into a fight with your husband or wife and you guys are kind of separated because you're whatever, mad, you know, you've, you've broken fellowship because you've been fighting. Somebody slammed a door, somebody won't talk to somebody else. Fighting. Does that nullify your marriage? No. No, it does not. You are still married to that person. However, you've broken fellowship with that person. You know exactly what I'm talking about if you're married. You've had fights and you know that fellowship is broken when there is an offense that's taken place on one side or the other, maybe both sides. But then there's repentance to one another. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I did. And then there's got to be forgiveness. What does that do? It doesn't change, nothing changed in the marriage position during any of that. But the fellowship position was changed. And after the repentance comes, guess what comes back? The closeness and the fellowship of those two people in the marriage relationship. Now, if you make up in your mind, I'm just going to keep on doing what I want and I don't give a crap what my husband thinks about it. I don't care what my wife thinks about it. And you keep committing offense after offense after offense. That marriage can come to an end. That marriage can come to an end. So when there's unrepentant offense, or in this context, unrepentant sin, where you don't even go back to repent, you don't care about saying, I'm sorry. You've just chosen. That's the way I'm going to live. And I don't care what they think. Then guess what? That marriage can come to an end. And though 
Yeah, that would have to be their position, Zach. Just like once saved, always saved, they have to come up with once married, always married. But we know that's not true. That marriage can come to an end. And in the same way, though Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, he won't leave you, but you can very well leave him. If you don't think that's true, you've not read the Bible. You've not studied the scripture. He won't leave you, but you can definitely leave him. If not, the question becomes, who are all of these people in John chapter 15 that um, were connected to the vine of Christ? John 15 tells us this. Jesus says it. That there are, he's the vine, we're the branches. Who are all these branches that were connected to the vine? That means they're saved, they're in Christ. Who are all these branches that refused to produce fruit and so then eventually were cut off from the vine, thrown into a pile to be burned, right? Very, very easy to see. It's not hard to see. Because there is no sinner that was ever in Christ. You're not born in Christ. You don't start in Christ. The Bible teaches that you're born in iniquity and born in sin, shaped in iniquity. All of sin fallen short of the glory of God. None is righteous, no, not one. So you don't start off connected to the vine. You can't misinterpret this scripture. It's just impossible to do so. Christ is talking about people that had become connected to him. And after they refused to produce fruit, they were disconnected and thrown into a pile to be burned. I'll let you connect those dots. So understand something. In order to get connected to Christ, there are things that must be done. We just covered them. You've got to get saved. And, and listen, according to that story, once you are connected to Christ, it's your fruit production that keeps you there. Oh, man, I know this is such an unpopular message in 2021. It's your fruit production that keeps you there. So you start um, teaching like this and, and, and people start dropping out of the viewership. <laughs> because it's not the message people want to hear. But we're talking about, and if you haven't shared it, share it. Because we're talking about how to take your authority in Christ and how to walk in dominion. And this is what I'm talking about, righteousness. It's the position that gives you dominion. Amen. So how, in my position of righteousness, do I actively take dominion? How do I actively walk in the authority that Christ has given me. Well, look what one of the major ways that Christ talked about. It is through, uh, thank you, Todd. Uh, it is through what you say and what you do. Brian's asking on Periscope, can I rededicate my life? Absolutely, you can. There have been people that were once saved, they've fallen away. They went back to living in a life of sin. You can absolutely rededicate your life to the Lord. Absolutely. Listen to this, Matthew 18, and I'll read verses um, 18 through 20. Matthew 18, 18. Listen, 
Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let me stop right here and say for the naysayers that say you can't use this uh, passage or Bible verse in relation to prayer because in context, it's talking about church government and church discipline, which is what the passage is about. If you uh, read the whole passage, it's talking about if your brother sins against you, what should you do? And then he talks about finally, um, you know, take two or three witnesses in the presence of the, you know, if you refuse to listen, tell it to the church and let, uh, you know, and if he won't listen to the church, then kick him out and treat him as though he's a sinner. And then he says, truly, I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth. But understand, it still does say whatever, whatever. So it's not just this, anything you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Understand that you've got authority to bind things and to loose things on the earth. What did Jesus say? To pray. And this is before salvation. Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We have the ability to bring the presence of God to the earth and to enact the agenda of heaven on the earth through our authority and through our, uh, through our own uh, dedication to the kingdom. Now listen, again, I say to you, if two of you, once again, look at the wording. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, anything, anything, not just church discipline. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And so while this passage is talking about church discipline and what to do if your brother sins against you, etc., you can't interpret these verses any other way because listen to how the Holy Spirit uh, uh, inspired them. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose on earth, if two of you agree about anything they ask, opens it up, doesn't it, to other things beyond church discipline. It's a prayer passage understanding that when you petition God, when you use your authority to bind something or to lose something, you can rebuke things and bind things that are coming against you. You can rebuke, you can bind. You've got the authority to rebuke. It's like Jesus you know, standing up and rebuking the wind. You know, he stood up in the boat, literally when they, they thought they were going to die and those people on the boat have been on many, many trips on boats and seen, they were fishermen, some of them. And so they understood this is a storm that's going to kill us. Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind. Rebukes the wind. Well, I don't know who he thinks he is. You know, it's not how the Bible works, Jesus. No. He bound it. He rebuked the wind. And what happened? The wind had to shut up. You can bind. You can loose. Two of you agree, touching anything, anything they ask, anything they ask. There is power in agreement. So one of the ways 
that we release. And I'm telling you, this is a main, a main, a main way. And if you go through and, and go through the New Testament, you watch how Jesus operated. And almost every time, the way that he would release his authority is by speaking, is by speaking. See, this is why we have to change how we speak and what we say. Have to change it to align with what the Bible teaches. That's why I'm very careful. You know, people think you're a nut job because you think this way. I'm very careful with my confession. Very careful. I mean, it, it, it blows my mind that people can understand this stuff uh, in the world of psychology, but they won't understand it in the kingdom. We know that you can't raise your children and verbally abuse them day after day after day after day and think that their psyche is going to be intact. You can't raise your kids for 18 years and tell them they're dumb and tell them they never do anything right and you're a failure. I can't believe, I can't even believe you're just so stupid. I can't, you can't raise kids for 18 years in that way and in that environment with those words and expect them to be this hyper productive overcomer when they grow up. Even psychologists know that, that you can't, you can't just verbally abuse your, well, why? Well, you know, then you go back to the old adage. Well, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Oh, you think so? You think so? You think words have no power? You think words can't hurt you? I guarantee almost everybody on this broadcast right now has been hurt at some point in their life by something stupid someone said to them. And so you found out something someone said behind your back. Maybe they said it to your face. Maybe it's just the way people talked about you. Right? And words carry power. Words have power. They've got the ability to create. They've got the ability to destroy. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it will eat the fruits thereof. And so Jesus understood how powerful words are. He knew how powerful words were, and he taught his disciples how to access the power of those words in order to see the manifestations they were believing for. Prayer's powerful, confession is powerful, and I don't mess around with my confession. I don't just say stuff because I heard it on the news. I don't say stuff because it was in my Twitter feed go around confessing it. Well, I heard some experts say it's going to be kind of a rough year. We need to just hunker down and prepare. I don't, it ain't going to be a rough year for me. Speak for yourself, speak for yourself, but keep your confession to yourself. That ain't over me. You're not going to hear me say, well, it's flu season. I, I got to be very careful. I'll catch the flu. Speak for yourself. I'm not allowing myself. See, that's, that's because I understand the power of words and that you can speak things into existence or you can speak them right out of your life. That's not a new age principle. These new age nut jobs have stolen biblical principles and tried to appropriate them for the new age movement. It's not new age. Meditation was not created by the new age movement. It was taught all the way back thousands of years ago in the Old Testament. God told Joshua to meditate. He told Joshua to meditate. Take this book of the law. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. 
so that you'll be careful to do all that's written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. That's Joshua chapter one. God is the one who not only created the human mind, but then gave us the ability to meditate on what we should. Oh yeah, you can speak yourself into sickness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you got to understand, take your authority through your words. The more I see these things that are written in business books and psychology books, blows my mind that people will accept them at face value for business, for psychology, for leadership principle, for growth, for their business, but they won't accept that they're biblical principles. You know, here's what blows my mind. We have all this leadership teaching and, you know, uh, productivity teaching on creating boundaries, <laughs> creating boundaries. You know, you, you, you allow people to treat you a certain way or you won't allow them. You set a boundary. I won't be talked to that way. I won't be treated that way because if you see yourself as having value, then you won't allow people to treat you as though you don't have value. So we have to set boundaries. We have to say, I don't, I'm not going to be spoken to that way. So when you want to change your words and come back and speak to me like a big boy and put your big boy pants on your Superman underwear, then you can come back and talk to me at my desk. But I'm not going to be spoken to like I'm nobody. I'm not going to be spoken to like I, I don't have value. I'm not going to be spoken to like an idiot. Okay, so what do we do? Created a boundary. Oh, yeah, well, that's fine in leadership teaching and in psychology and everything else. And then people don't, well, you know, you can't take that same authority in the spirit realm and act like words don't carry the same power. Of course they do. Of course they do. And not only am I gonna, not going to let uh, humans disrespect me, I'm not letting the devil disrespect me. I'm not letting the devil harass me. I'm not letting demons harass me. I'm not letting sickness harass me. I'm not letting depression harass me. I'm not letting anxiety harass me. You see? And so people are so willing to accept the power of your words to create boundaries in the natural realm. Do it in the supernatural realm. Jesus taught that you could. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Believe that you've received it and you'll have it. Whatever you, uh, the Bible says, I'll, I'll read you Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Mark 11, 23 and 24. Matthew chapter eight and verse eight, the centurion understood this power. What did he say? What did he say to Jesus? You don't have to come to my house. Speak the word only. Glory to God. Speak the word only. Put, somebody put it in the comments in all capital letters. Only, only, you know what he's saying? That's all that's necessary. That's all that's necessary. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. (laughs) Literally that word from Jesus mouth traveled to where the servant was and made him whole. Jesus didn't have to travel there. Didn't have to get 
on a horse, didn't have to, none of that. Stood where he was, spoke the word only. And that confession, that command went to where the servant was lying in bed, sick with palsy, and it made him whole. Speak the word only. Hallelujah. Speak the word only. There's power in your words. And see, one of the things, and I'll, I'll give you a story that Brother Hagin told when he was teaching on the Believer's Authority. And if you've not read that book, I would highly recommend that you do read the Believer's Authority. But Brother Hagin was in a place where the Lord gave him a vision, saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin and started teaching him things and telling him things. And all of a sudden, in uh, the midst of Jesus speaking to Brother Hagin in that vision, a demon spirit ran in and got between them, got between Jesus and Brother Hagin and started making all this noise and yelling, disrupting. And Brother Hagin said, the demon spirit was making so much noise that I couldn't hear what Jesus was saying anymore. And he said that he's sitting there yakking and yakking and making all this noise. And he said, I just couldn't hear Jesus. And he said, I was wondering how long is Jesus going to let this go on? This is how Brother Hagin's thinking in the story. How long is Jesus going to let this demon disrupt and distract? How long? How long? And he's sitting there yakking and making noise. And he's, he's finally, Brother Hagin's starting to get mad because he wants to hear what Jesus is saying. And he's missing it because of this demon. And finally, Brother Hagin just told the demon to shut up in Jesus' name. And he said, when he said it, that demon just stopped and ran out. And it was over. And Jesus said to him, this was his own testimony. He said, Jesus said to me, if you had not have, had done that, had you not done that, there we go. Had you not done that, I couldn't do it. Oh man, think about that. If you had not done that, rebuke the devil, I couldn't have done it. Why is this? He has given authority and power to the church. Brother Hagin heard that and thought, man, I, I must have heard what he said wrong. I must have missed that. And he, and he actually asked the Lord. He said, you said you wouldn't do it. Isn't that, isn't that what you said? You said, if I didn't do it, you wouldn't do it. He said, no, he said I couldn't do it. And then he explained to him that the authority has been given to the church. The authority has been given to the believer. The believer, see, the, the, Jesus is not going to come down to this earth and rebuke sickness off your body. He's not going to come down to this earth and re rebuke depression off your mind and remove anxiety. No, you take your, he's given you power. He's given you authority. And now you have to stand up by faith and take what is yours through your own authority 
as a child of God. Notice how it's done by speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. Centurion said, speak the word only. You know what Jesus said? Now, this should be a sign to all of us. That's right. This should be a sign to every one of us is that after that centurion, who wasn't even one of God's people, he was an Italian person, not a Jew. Even after he said that, Jesus said and was and marveled. Jesus was blown away. Notice Jesus, what he said. I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. That should be a sign right there that this is the way. What did he say? All of my people that I'm called to don't even believe me like you believe me. I mean, all of the Jewish community, all of Israel, nobody has faith like this, like you do. Well, what is he saying there? I just found the highest level of faith and it came from a Gentile. That all I have to do is speak the word only. I don't have to lay hands on him. I don't have to travel there and put a prayer cloth on him. I don't have to anoint him with oil. I don't have to get all my disciples to agree with me in faith and join hands around your servant on the bed and just begin to warfare pray until he's better. No, just speak the word only. So Jesus is actually saying, Jesus is actually saying the highest level of faith that he ever encountered, that he ever encountered was a faith that said all that's necessary is to speak the word, man. Let me get that into your spirit real quick before we pray. Jesus just said the highest level of faith that he's ever seen is a faith that says all that's necessary is that I speak the word. That's the definition of what's going on in this story. Marveled said, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. That's what Jesus is saying. Highest level of faith is the one who said, all you've got to do is speak the word only. That should be a a lesson to all of us as believers that if we're going to operate at the highest level of faith, it means that our confession has to be consistent and that we got to line up with the word and we've got to by faith with boldness and authority declare what we're believing will come to pass. And if you see, hey, brother Chris, if you see the devil trying to infringe upon your covenant rights, it's time to start talking. It's time to start rebuking. It's time to start binding. It's time to start loosing. It's time to take authority by the power of God. What do I mean by that? Well, if you get a bad report, if you have something trying to come at your life, something that's trying to come at your family, speak to that thing. And command it. You know, we, we look at um, Proverbs 18, 21, and people have uh, interpreted that for years to be, well, you know, the Bible says death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. And so we got to learn to speak life. Amen. Not death. That's not what the Bible's saying. It's not just death and life and you got to choose life over death. No, there's times that there's a reason God put death in your mouth. There's a reason God put death in your mouth. I said, there's a reason God put death in your mouth. Some things that the devil's trying to launch against you need to have death spoken to them. Amen. If the devil tried to attack your body with cancer, you better believe it's time to speak some death. I speak death to every cancer cell trying to set up shop in my body. I command those cells to shrivel and die and pass from my body. I speak death to every tumor and foreign thing that's tried to grow and set up shop in my body. And I command it to shrivel and die and pass from my body in Jesus name. I said in Jesus name, there's some stuff you don't speak life to. Some stuff you don't pray about, you curse it in the name of Jesus Christ. You curse it and you cast it out. Amen. It's how you operate in authority. You speak. All of the kingdom of God is delegated authority, just like the military. Just like the military. The order, the chain of command, it comes down, 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 down. The reason you have authority is because you're submitted to God's authority. Oh, yes. Anything that trespasses on your covenant should be rebuked and cursed in the name of Jesus Christ. Rebuked and cursed. Every virus that would try to infiltrate my body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost, is immediately cursed and bound. It must shrivel it must die. It must pass from my body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every spirit of infirmity that tries to overtake God's people. See, you got to stand up and be bigger than a spirit of infirmity. The, the, the interesting thing to me <clears throat> is that there are levels of strength in the spirit. Jesus was very clear about this in Mark chapter nine and the disciples who had not been praying like they should, by the way, pray, prayer and prayer coupled with fasting uh, is one of the ways to release the power of God that you have in your body, in your spirit from your life. As E.M. Bounds, the Methodist minister who wrote nine books on prayer, said and it became famous. You've probably heard the phrase, much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. Your prayer level determines your power level. Put it in the comments. My prayer level determines my power level. Write it in. My prayer level determines my power level. If you don't pray, don't expect to operate in power. I mean, it's just very plain. If you don't pray, don't expect to operate in power. When asked, 
How did you build the largest church in the world? Dr. Cho, Madam Che. Seoul, Korea, Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. How did you build a church with over a million members? How did you build the largest church in the world? You know what the answer was? Fast, 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 pray, pray, pray. That was their answer. Fast, 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 pray, pray, pray. Your prayer level determines your power level. And Jesus is actually the one who said that. Not any preacher, not any man. It was Jesus who said that. My prayer level determines my power level. Look at this. The Bible says in Mark 9, 29, well, I'll go a little further back, uh, verse 28. Here's the story of a demon that could not be cast out by the disciples and then Jesus did it with ease. Verse 28, Mark 9, 28. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast this demon out? And he said to them, Because this kind, stop there, stop there for a second. This kind, you know what that means? There are different kinds of spirits, demons. There are different kinds of demons at different strength levels. I know you're still writing, those of you that are watching, but I want you to put this in the comments because it's get it in your heart, get it in your spirit. There are different kinds of of demons. And you know that I'm not one of these people that's always preaching on types of demons and demonology and going through. I'm I'm not like one of these guys that's always going off on spiritual warfare and knowing the names of demons that you need to, that's not me. But Jesus is teaching this and Jesus does say this kind that just by default, you understand there are different kinds of demons. There are different kinds of evil spirits. There are different kinds of tests in the kingdom. There are different kinds. And he said, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Uh, That was a rebuke to them, by the way. You're not praying like you should be praying. And there are some early and excellent manuscripts that also say, by prayer and fasting. That verse is in the NIV, Joshua. It's in the NIV. I'm looking at it. It says this. He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. It's in the NIV. It's just that some of the newer and more modern translations have removed the suspect phrase and fasting. So understand, no matter what, we know Jesus dealt with prayer. This kind can only come out by prayer, which he was saying to the disciples, you've not been praying like you should be praying. This kind. And so here's the thing. Your prayer level determines your power level. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're going to go around confessing everything, if you're going to go around trying to, if you're not, if you're not pursuing prayer, if you're not pursuing the word, see some people's confession means more 
than other people's confession. Absolutely it does. Because some people have activated, understood, realized their power and authority more than other people have. And so no question, if that's the key, if that's the case, those who have activated, realized, and released their authority and anointing, their confession is going to mean more. How do you get down with Acts chapter 19, where the Bible says that those seven Jewish sons of a priest named Sceva came down the road saying, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, come out of this man, you demon. And the demon just looked at him and then beat him and stripped him and made him leave. Didn't they use the name of Jesus? Yeah. Didn't they command the demon to come out? Yeah. Did it come out? No. (laughs) I don't know what Bible you have, Joshua Hamrick, but you need to get a new Bible. (laughs) It's in the NIV. It's in all the modern translations. It's Matthew 17, 22 that's removed. And so, some people's confession means more than others. Those seven sons of Sceva, who were exorcists, by the way, they were exorcists, which means they had cast out other devils. Interesting. They were Jewish exorcists, the Bible says. Jewish exorcists. But now they came up on one. It's another one of these things. This kind. Couldn't do it. It overcame them and destroyed them. So my teaching you today. Prayer builds your strength in the spirit and your confession has to be on lock for you to walk in never-ending victory. You can use your authority in Christ. How is it mainly used in the gospels and in the, uh, the epistles? It's used through speaking by faith. You build your faith by hearing the word, then you build your strength by prayer, and then you put those two together and release authority by confession. Let me say that again so that you catch it. You build your faith by hearing the word. You build your power by prayer. You put the two together and release a confession that's filled with the word and backed by prayer and the power of God's released from your life and every wicked thing has to move out of your way. Those things that are enemies of your covenant have to get out or shrivel and die every time. That's how you release the authority. How many demons stuck their tongue out at Jesus? Mm, I'm not coming out. None, none. They all just came out. How many diseases stuck their tongue out at Jesus and said, I'm not leaving this body? None. They all came out. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And here's a man that prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, prayed through the night, prayed for hours at a time. You can release your authority too. That's why, of course, right now, if you're on this with us, we're going through the Bible in 90 days, going through the Bible in 90 days. We did 31 days in January And now we're three days into February. So today is day 34 of the Bible reading plan. We're a third of the way through. Jump on this with us. Go to miracleword.com forward slash study and download the plans free. Join in with us. It's not too late. Start right now. Get the word in your spirit. Hallelujah. Pray. 
and watch God use you to operate in authority. Let me pray for those of you that are watching. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man, every woman watching and listening. I pray that today, as they realize, as they realize their authority, as they realize their power, that a new boldness would come upon them. But Lord, I'm asking you for 2021, if we're going to run, give us a new hunger for prayer. Give us a new hunger for reading your word in Jesus name. And let us guard our confession or as your word says, put a watch at our mouth, put a watch at our mouth in Jesus name. And I ask you, Lord, that as we step forward through this month of February, fire in February, that everything that was sent to oppose us would quickly fall before us in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you that as we declare and confess what you have planned for us is quickly coming to pass in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you for it. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, somebody throw some fire, some hands, something in the comments, shout amen where you are and believe God for the best days. You know, I'm going to challenge you today to do something you've never done. I'm going to challenge you, those of you watching, to do something you've never done by faith. We've got plans, as you know, we're touching every aspect, touching the children, touching the world with television, touching, I mean, every form of digital media we could release, we're releasing and we're doing more. But now I'm going to challenge you, those, those that are watching, those that are faithful, to do something you've never done before as you sow a seed today. Do something that your faith has never reached for today. On this third day of February, do something that your faith has never reached for. I'm challenged. And I, you know, if you watch this broadcast, you know that I don't do this, where I, I'm like challenging you to sow uh, in a way that you never have. This may be the first time I've ever done it. We always ask you to step out by faith, but today I'm asking you to do something different. Challenge you by the spirit of faith to reach for a level that you've never walked at before. Maybe you're in a place where you know what? I've given $100, $80, I've given $200. I've never sown a thousand. Reach for something you've never reached for today. Maybe you've always been, I've sown 50, I've sown 70, but you've never reached for $500 seed. You've never reached for that level. I'm encouraging you today, do something that you've never done before. Time's running out. You're partnered right now with a ministry that's not just touching you on this broadcast, touching the world, touching every demographic. That's important. We want to have a voice into the lives of children that are coming up in the faith. We want to have a voice into teenagers. We want to have a voice into those of you that are watching, no matter what age, doesn't matter what race, we want a voice. That's why we're preaching to the nations. That's why we're preaching in Africa. That's why we're preaching in the Caribbean. That's why we're preaching uh, in the United States. That's why we're preaching in Philippines, preaching in Pakistan, preaching around the world. Why? We want to have a voice to every race, every demographic. And so I'm going to challenge you right now. Pray. The Lord's speaking to you. Reach. Reach higher. If you believe 2021 is going to be a year you're going to run and that everything's going to break loose for you, reach. Reach for something that you've never attained by faith and do what the Lord tells you. Right on the screen, 
you can see the details on how you can sow your seed. Miracleword.com. You can go there. Every possible way to give is available there on the website. You can see on the screen, there's PayPal, Cash App. Venmo is the same as Cash App, MWGive. And if you're in the comments on Facebook or Periscope, you can put hashtag donate. And you can use that command to sow a seed right in the comments section. Do what you've never done before. Lord, speak to your people. Give every one of us an instruction from heaven. What could we do today that will move our faith and move your hand of blessing? Speak it to us. We thank you for it. We give you praise. Begin to sow your seed right now. Those of you that are listening, maybe you're listening on the podcast. I've been encouraging people to partner with this ministry, partner with this ministry, stand with us on a monthly basis. Maybe you can sow that $85 a month or hundred dollars a month. And you've got the faith to do that, to step out. We've asked the Lord and God's answering our prayers. We've asked the Lord to attach a thousand victory tribe members to this ministry on a monthly basis at $85 or more. So we're reaching out to touch this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Chad, for sowing a seed. And so God's bringing people in from every direction that are standing with us. And I'm believing a thousand people. And that's my goal. That's my prayer. God's already doing it. God's already doing it. And I'm so thankful. Thank you, Jesus. We're able to feed hundreds of children every day, able to preach the gospel every week on television around the world. We're now we're, we're able to teach all of you every morning, Monday through Friday. We've got Miracle Word Radio going out 24 hours a day. We've got videos archived on YouTube that you could spend hours and hours, never see the same thing twice. We're doing everything we can to get the word out. And so thank you for standing with us. Of course, those of you that are sewing $85 or more this month, we're going to be sending you that book, Understanding the Anointing by Brother Kenneth Hagin. It's our gift to you for the month of February. And then, of course, you know, you go to miracleword.com forward slash offer to fill out the form. Let us know where to send the book and how you gave your seed so that we can match those two together and get yours to you. And then, of course, those of you that are stepping out to reach to so largely, I am going to send you along with this book, the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather. It's, it's really one of the most beautifully put together Bibles uh, that I've seen. Beautiful, thick, genuine leather cover. I love what they've got on the inside of this. I use it daily. I use it daily. It's an awesome resource. It'll bless you too. I'm going to sign one to you and send it as my gift to say thanks to you and uh, tell you how much we love and appreciate you. We have three nights left of revival right here in Roswell, Georgia, World Harvest Church. Uh, Tonight is Wednesday, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday. And uh, my dad's been preaching fire is falling in this revival. Last night, so powerful. Go back and watch the replay. We're live every night at 7 p.m. New York City time. And uh, if you cannot by any means make it from out of state to this revival, tune in on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. Tune in and watch what God's doing and be a part of it. And then next week, starting on Sunday, we'll be in Albemarle, North Carolina for Kickstart 2021. And uh, it's going to be wonderful. People are coming in 
from out of state to join us or with pastors Brian and Nicole Wright at Boomerang Church. All the details at miracleword.com. Come and be a part of what God's doing. I love you guys so much. Um, I wanna play this for you. Don't forget, all new stuff for Miracle Word Kids uh, launch today at miraclewordkids.com. We're gonna play a little promo for you. Go watch the video, download the, the weekly Bible uh, study that goes along with the video. Something new every single Wednesday. So proud of these guys. I love you. Thanks for hanging with me today. I'll be back tonight at seven o'clock and the rest of the week in the morning. We love you. Enjoy the promo. We'll talk to you again tonight. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.